Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Good morning. Some of you may have already heard that I served as a firefighter in my past. What you might not have known is that if it were not for me being a firefighter, I probably would never have gone to college. I was in community college getting my associate's degree because I I needed the extra points on the civil service exam. And after getting to know me, my instructors there had suggested that I had the capability to earn a fire engineering degree. I did not even know that there was such a thing. I did know that while these instructors felt I had the ability to earn this degree, I knew for certain I had no way to pay for this degree. But then I heard of a program at Eastern Kentucky University in Richmond, Kentucky. I could attend college, but live in one of the city's fire stations for free. As part of this program, I was incorporated into the city's fire department, so I needed to fight fires when on duty, and if I were at the station when a fire alarm dropped, This was a great win-win solution for everyone involved. The city received extra help on a fire for a bargain price, and people like me had our college bills cut down enough for me to go to college. It also meant I acquired three different fathers while at the station and about nine older brothers in a small southern town where everyone pretty much knew what everyone else was up to. But that is a bunch of different stories for different times. Now, firefighters in the city of Richmond work on the Kelly Day schedule. You are on duty for 24 hours, and then you are off duty for 48 hours. In the 24 hours I was on duty, I was a member of the fire department. That means I attended classes at the university while in my fire department uniform. The the station captain for my shift, Captain Marion Lane, was very clear to me on my very first morning at his station. When I wore that uniform of our beloved fire department, I represented the department to the students, the professors, and every citizen of that city, and my conduct had better be so exemplary while wearing that uniform that Captain Lane should never need to have to talk to me about my behavior. Hmm. So when I was wearing my uniform on campus, I was as straight and arrow as could be. Now, this next point might shock some of you, but there had been times in my college life where alcohol may have touched my lips. In fact, after classes, my friends and I would often get together to discuss the exciting lectures in fire hydraulics or chemistry and enjoy each other's company. There may or may not have been alcohol present at these informal gatherings. Now, I knew that being seen drinking alcohol while wearing my fire department uniform 
would not go well for me when Captain Lane heard of such a thing, and he would have in this small town. And so, while wearing the uniform and invited to go someplace, because of this uniform, this garment, I would say no, usually reluctantly, but definitely I would refuse. My conduct was being shaped by my garment, because if not in uniform, I more often than not agreed to relax with my friends. And after about a month, I started to notice something, that when invited to go to a party or anything else like that in my uniform, my refusal would be so automatic there was no reluctance at all in my response. In fact, my mind was no longer even looking for such distractions. My uniform, my clothes, my garments were not only shaping my outward behavior, but were also turning my mind and my spirit away from these opportunities. And that is part of how I became the incredibly dull and uninteresting person that you all know today. <laughs> the fact is that as Christians who at least acknowledge that there are traditional teachings in Christianity, we know that there is a link between our minds, our bodies, and our souls. These three portions or components of us will work together to propel a person towards their eternal destination. And that takes me to today's Gospel reading. It comes from St. Matthew, and so proving that Jesus is the Christ is important in this Gospel, as well as the fulfilling of prophecy. Jesus was speaking a series of parables to explain to a group of people how life under the true God is like. And in this parable for today, Jesus attempts to describe something that was going to be happening in the listener's near future, but they had no idea was going to happen. Jesus starts by mentioning that the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding feast. This is heard often in the Old Testament, and today's reading is Isaiah is just one taste of this. This feast is being hosted by a king. This king sends out his servants to invite his people. But these people were not interested in the invitation, and they ignored the king's request. The king, knowing that his subjects were stubborn sometimes, sent out more servants with invitations. But this time, the servants were simply ignored by some people, but some other invitees instead beat and murdered the servants of the king. These people eventually had their city destroyed. More than one commenter in church history mentions that Jesus was warning the high priests and the Pharisees of the time that they were this group of invitees who had put to death so many of the Old Testament prophets that God had sent to them, and that, in time, God will allow Jerusalem and its temple to be destroyed by the Romans. In this parable, after the city is destroyed, the king, as an act of kindness, still wants to share his wedding celebration with others, 
and so he sends out more servants to invite many people. Go to the main roads and invite as many as you find, the passage reads. And so the king's servants do this, and the wedding hall is full of people of all stripes, both bad and good. And so all those who responded to the king's invitation were gathered in front of the king, who was looking at his guests. And in this huge crowd of people, the king saw one man who was different. While everybody else had on a wedding garment, a fancy cloak or something like that that showed that they were adequately prepared for the wedding, this one man who did not have the right clothes on was spotted first by the king. I didn't mean to point at you, Jen. Just automatic. The king asked the man who had responded to the king's invitation, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? The gospel tells us the man was speechless. He had no defense in front of the king for his lack of preparation for the event of this wedding. The king then instructs his servants about this man, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. St. John Chrysostom wrote that there were several prophecies being told in this parable. The first prophecy sounds harsh to our modern sensibilities, but it discusses those who ignored the king's invitation. That prophecy has been fulfilled. The second prophecy relates to Chrysostom in his time and to us in our time. The parable states that those who responded to the king's invitation will be in front of him. Just like there are many Christians who are Christians because they responded to God's invitation to share in the life of the Holy Trinity. But, just because a person responded positively to the Lord's invitation does not mean that they are fit to be with the Lord for eternity. The man without a wedding garment is the example and the warning given us by Christ. This wedding feast talked of by the Old Testament prophets, this feast being discussed by Jesus Christ, it is not just a party. It is the second coming where each one of us will be in front of Christ. And the condition of our garments will be immediately known by him. And we will have no defense if our garments are not pure. Jesus is warning the people then, and us today, that salvation is not just a verbal statement to have faith in Christ. Because we know that our bodies, our minds, and our souls are linked, this is one of the reasons Jesus Christ became incarnate and chose to enter our world instead of merely staying in heaven. There is a physical component to our salvation. For as Jesus' older stepbrother James said, faith without works is dead. Part of our faith is physical because of this link between our minds, souls, and bodies, and all of those components will be saved. Just as my fire department uniform shaped my behavior and started to help move my mind to stay away from actions 
that might jeopardize my position in that fire department. So, too, what we do with our bodies affects our minds and our souls. Positively, we can receive the sacraments of the church, and through these physical items, such as what comes to us in the appearance of bread and wine, oil and water, what touches our bodies also moves our minds and souls towards imitating Christ in becoming a union of God and man, without confusion or blending. St. Paul also warns us about how this link can be our downfall, that when we join our bodies with someone else in sin, then we are stopping this transformation in our persons that the Lord created us all to undergo. And because of this truth, my sisters and brothers in Christ, My fervent prayer for all of us is that we hear the promise given to us by Christ in this parable. In today's world of COVID-19, many churches are having trouble gathering together. And in fact, the Barna Group is predicting that there will be many churches that collapse when all is said and done with this pandemic. This is truly diabolical, because then churches cannot celebrate the sacraments when they cannot gather. It is only when we are in a community that Christ is with us. He's always also with us in other ways, but we know he is with us now. That means instead of the body being able to help the soul and the mind to grow in relationship with Christ by receiving the sacraments, instead, it's like trying to to balance on a three-legged stool after one of the legs has been cut off. Without the body assisting us, it is frightfully easy for the body to lead the soul and mind away from God, especially with what is on the Internet today. The eyes are the windows of the soul, and what we gaze upon can harm our souls and minds and cause our garments to become spoiled in the eyes of the Lord. And so I pray that we are not like the man cast into darkness, who responded to God's invitation, but then neglected to live a Christ-centered life of repentance, of humility, and of receiving the sacraments of the church, which bind and link us to Christ and to each other through all times and in all places. Instead, let us live a life of faith and repentance and receiving the sacraments of the church, despite all the difficulties the modern world sets in our path, because these sacraments strengthen us and give us aid as we work out our salvation in fear and trembling, so that instead of us joining the man who is cast into darkness, we instead hear about the joy we share as true and faithful servants in the Lord. Amen.